Welcome to worship. It is good to see you, and I think we will continue following our summer protocol, so that means at points where we might traditionally stand, if you find it easier and cooler to remain seated, you are definitely welcome to do that. You might have noticed that the pastor mooched some bottled water from the fridge. I forgot my water bottle on my way. <laughs> so. This is a go and do likewise. If you get thirsty, I think, are there still some in the back? No? Oh, great, thank you. So there will be water in the back if anybody needs. So, thank you. Uh, a few prayer concerns and notices. Thank you for posting uh, this morning, Marilyn, your acknowledgement of prayers of the people as you have recovered. Uh, we will also be mindful of the people of Eastern Kentucky in the United States. Maybe you're following what's going on there, but there has been some significant flooding, and it sounds like with the rescue efforts, they're finding more and more people who have died. So this is a very heartbreaking thing, and it is in one of the poorest parts of their country. So our hearts certainly need to be with them, and we can be praying. Uh, across the pond, the Lambeth Conference, which is the Anglican community of bishops, is meeting. And it sounds like the, it is a pretty dicey meeting in that the question is, how inclusive do we dare be in all things? Um, they didn't ask me, but my prayer would be just as inclusive as you possibly can be. And uh, I hope that that prayer would be in the spirit of Jesus. So. Maybe we can be praying for the Lambeth Conference today, too. The worship material is found in a couple of different places today. Your large red hymnal and also the worship pamphlet. So hopefully that will help you to navigate the service. Today, on this day after Pentecost we are talking about being rich toward God. And I'd like to connect that to the idea of shalom. And we'll talk quite a bit about that today. So you'll hear that word recur as uh, the day goes. What does shalom mean? And what does it mean to be rich toward God? At the first service, we told a story about Graham, who with her sparkly slippers, certainly had to be rich. So, when asked, she was kind of a cool gram. She could pop double mint gum while she chewed, and she would do this wry smile and say, yes, I am. It wasn't until years later that I discovered that she and her kids for a time were migrant workers, and that when she had come to visit, she was, at that time, a domestic servant but she regarded herself as rich. Maybe there's a lesson that grants the church, and that is, what is it to be rich? Is it mansions and money, or as one of my favorite pastors, Dan Erlander, likes to say, is it more about manna and mercy? So, maybe those thoughts can direct us this morning.
the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 12th chapter. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Friend, who sent me to be a judge or arbiter over you? And then Jesus said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. One's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, What should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and I will build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and of all the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. The Gospel of the Lord. grace and peace to you from the one who was, who is, who is to come. Shalom, we say, means peace. Yes, but not entirely. It's more than just that the bombs have stopped dropping. Shalom is about harmony. It is about people having enough. I had mentioned my favorite pastor, Dan Erlander, who writes in his little book, Manna and Mercy, that shalom is really friendship with God, friendship with creation. It is friendship with each other. It's even friendship with ourselves. It's about harmony. It is about reverence. It is about compassion. All of that wrapped up helps us to begin to get at the notion of shalom. What if shalom is really what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about being rich toward God? And as Jesus casts his vision for shalom, a younger sibling in the crowd wants him to do a little and probate work. Just so you know, that was not unusual in Jesus' day. And we're going to let some of that simmer for a little bit because it pays to go back and think about shalom in perhaps what are more concrete ways. And so we go to what Pastor Dan calls the wilderness school. This is the one that happened as people were liberated from slavery and wandered in the wilderness. Speaking of wandering, should my mic wander over? It seems like it's higher. Okay. (laughs) No, that isn't what you meant. Uh, 
there. The pastor wanders and returns to say that at the wilderness school, the one where the liberated slaves learned a lesson of manna. Manna, what is it? That's right. That's what the word means. What is it? It is God's provision. And you remember how the manna gathering protocol went? Each day, you would gather just enough for yourself and your family, and as a special grace on the day before Sabbath, so you could rest and enjoy friendship with God, you could gather a little bit more. That was part of shalom, that God provided, that people lived in community, that everyone had enough. No one had too much. Except... How God must grieve that we flunked manna 101. You know the rest of the story, right? Some would-be entrepreneurs decided it would be brilliant if they gathered a whole bunch more and stored it and sold it. Great plan. Anybody know what happened then? And you can go ahead and kind of call it out if you know. Uh, I see a hand in the back. It rotted, exactly, it rotted. And I won't get too graphic about that, but let's just say that it rotted. And so the moral to the lesson, dear ones, was that hoarding stinks. That's the lesson. But it's not only the hoarding, it's the alienation that happened. It was the breakdown in relationships, not only with God, but with each other, and even with creation itself. So, now we're back to this little probate issue that we set off to the side for a minute. The oldest son in the family was charged with the task of making sure that the family fortunes remained intact and that they were distributed. And here's the fun part, if you're the oldest, you got the largest share by far. You got like two thirds and everybody else got a third. So for those of us who are like the sixth and seventh of seven children, well, that and a cup of coffee and you're fine. So a younger sibling asks Jesus to sort through their particular probate questions. Again, no surprise, but Jesus doesn't go there. Instead, he tells one of those mess with your head stories. This one about someone whose land produces beyond expectations who has, I will call it, obscene wealth. Now here's where a cultural commute is helpful. Uh, a few weeks back, we introduced to you a commentator, uh, the Reverend Dr. Naveen Saras, who is in, I think it's Waukesha, Wisconsin. Well, she was born in Bethlehem, Palestine. And growing up, she saw some of the things that we talk about in the Bible firsthand, because many of them remain, including the mindset that if somebody has extravagant, extreme, obscene wealth, that's at somebody else's expense. So the hero of the story is not this person whose crops overproduced and had a dilemma about what to do with all of his goods. And if you peel back the story, you actually see 
more about the soul than you do about the balance sheet. Did you catch the internal dialogue? I will, I will do this, I will say to myself, self, you have... Sort of funny that Jesus would play with words because the words for soul, self, and life are the same. And so as he tells the story, self, I say to myself, I will do this myself. And Jesus says, and guess what? Yourself will be required of you this night. Could be your life, could be your soul, could be yourself. It's a pretty high price to pay for stuff, isn't it? Jesus would say, what good does it do to gain the whole world and forfeit yourself, your soul, your life? So this rich so-called fool is not an outlier. He's not the exception. Actually, we have a lot in common with him, probably, whether we know it or whether we don't. Hoarding does stink. But what happens when you weaponize hoarding? Let me tell you about a country whose foreign policy has, as one of its planks, food is a weapon. It is a weapon used to get other countries to do what you want. You will be forgiven if you're thinking Russia. I'm actually quoting from the U.S. Secretary of Agriculture, Earl Butts, from the 1970s under the Nixon administration. Food as a weapon? Manna as a bargaining chip? That doesn't sound much like shalom. And I think it does reveal something of the soul. There is no friendship there. There is no reverence there. There are all kinds of greed to be aware of, I suppose. There's the hoarding, and there's the grasping, and probably others that I haven't quite defined yet in my own head. Did you know, for example, that during the pandemic, according to Oxfam International, they did a report in January of this year that the billionaires of the world actually doubled, doubled their profits from something like 717 billion to 1.5 trillion dollars. And that's among 10 of the wealthiest, and the article does point out, white men in the world. The report goes on to say that of the richest 252 people, which also happen to be white men, they have more wealth than one billion, with a B, more than one billion women in Central America, the Caribbean, and Africa combined. Yes. So, who foots the bill when the billionaires build the bigger barns? That's the question. But the question is also, are said billionaires really any happier? 
Not according to the World Happiness Project, they are. In fact, it is reported that for people who have very, very little, they are unhappy for good reason. But for people on the opposite end who have extreme wealth, they are equally unhappy, as it turns out. And their source of unhappiness is, what do I do with all of my stuff and I don't want anybody to take it? And deep down, I know I can't take it with me. Huh. The happiest people, as it turns out, are somewhere in the middle. People who have enough, but who aren't worried that thieves are going to break in and steal or moth and rust will corrupt. Huh, that sounded kind of Bible-y, didn't it? <laughs> that was Jesus, actually, in his sermon in Matthew, in case those words sounded familiar to you. So, this probate dispute that we're privy to this morning in Luke's Gospel I think Jesus knew it was a no-win. For anybody, really. Because they couldn't take it with them anyway. What if Jesus also knows that good news for the poor also means liberation for everybody, including, including the uber-rich? What then? And what if shalom this richness toward God is the very thing that Jesus is willing to give his life and to go through death and to be resurrected to make happen. What if shalom is really that thing that God is so committed to that God will stop at nothing to see to it that one day it happens? Boy, that pastor is so naive. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's a pastor. They don't live in the real world. Here's my little rebuttal. Well, yeah, I'm kind of naive, and I don't always live in the real world, and yeah, I've got my problems. But, or I like to say, nevertheless, we share something in common. And it's going to happen this morning. As we prepare to receive the Lord's Supper together, we are going to pray, as Jesus taught. You can say it with me if you like at the end. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that it will be so among us, that we may be rich toward God, and that we may know shalom. Amen.